0: Is this not you? No, it wasn't me. Well, let's do the other thing instead then. Let's Let's pretend I never said that. It's Friday, May the 14th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Durenta Massacre Survivor. And I'm joined as ever by Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Bruggeleude.
1: Yeah, and not <laughs> a COVID patient.
0: Not a COVID patient, no. no. You have uh, some kind of corona flu or, no, or non-corona flu I should say. Yeah I have yeah.
1: some sort of flu I have uh, a severe cold it is terrible uh, I woke up on Monday with a sore throat which was you know which is of course a COVID uh, symptom so yep. uh, I I had to get myself tested and it was the first mm-hmm. time uh, I could have been prime minister at this point by the way now yeah. I come to think of it. Have you never been tested? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Or you could have been Thierry who still, has still not been tested Yeah
1: yeah indeed yeah, yeah. he just refuses it to do it but I did it I went to the yeah. Uh, to the testing street and I I thought that um, the the test was going to be uh, very awful. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be but it was still mm. very unpleasant and, uh, and, and, and 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 awful. Uh, mm. uh, also, uh, one of my nose holes was, was too clogged so they had to uh, do it in, in another nose hole, oh but that's God. a terrible ter- disgusting th- detail. Th- th- but, th- uh, that's enough information. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah um, but, but the bottom line is you don't have corona. I don't so. have corona, no. The, yeah. the, the result, uh, I got my result at uh, I got tested at 11 a.m. and yeah. I got my result at 11 p.m. so uh, it didn't take them very long to uh, to, uh, to send their result but I was asleep at that time so I only found out the, later that morning but yeah I'm yeah. negative but still um, I still have a cold and and you too by the way I I I don't know you've (laughs) you've infected me through my keyboard exactly and I I found out that uh, Corona shame is a thing right because it's current shame that is what if you, is you have symptoms ashamed? but you don't have the coronavirus and you walk outside in public mm. then people are scared of you because they see you sneezing and they see ah. you coughing and they yeah. they are avoiding you they are they are uh, you know st- uh, taking a step uh, back even though you know i am tested negative yeah. uh, uh, I w- we need some sort of sticker to identify that you have been tested but you show we d- perhaps you do perhaps we need some kind of sticker we will come on to yeah. that uh, <laughs> quite soon so while you've been recovering from your cold
0: does this give you more time to Study the Erasmus Bridge in Rotterdam. <laughs>
1: well, to, 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 um, giving me more time to point out to people from Rotterdam <laughs> that not every white cable state bridge looks exactly <laughs> the same as the Erasmus Bridge which they always seem to think yeah. because you know the Erasmus Bridge it is a very distinct bridge but they people from Rotterdam they always are very proud of that bridge but they yeah. don't seem to recognize the main characteristics of that bridge that is for example that it has a very distinct horizontal part at the bottom and that the pylon has has an angle with it mm. uh, and that it is only cable state on one side and not on two uh, you know that's the reason why it is nicknamed the Swan because of this angle and because of this horizontal part yeah. but every time they see a wide cable state bridge they always say oh this is a rip off of the Erasmus Bridge but no it's not sometimes it is a bridge <laughs> that is cable state on two sides I mean that's the whole point of the Erasmus Bridge is only cable state on one side so yeah that was this week's hill I chose to die on to um, to complain about people and not recognizing their <laughs> uh, their world famous bridge Yeah, no, not recognizing the, the key characteristics of this,
0: uh, yeah, this one, yeah. Bridge, which is a wonderful bridge, it and is, and a wonderful should be bridge celebrated co- in the correct fashion, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and it will be prominently featured probably uh, at the uh, Eurovision Song Contest, which is uh, not hosted this week, as I thought, but next week.
0: Yeah, so inappropriate comparisons with uh, with Rotterdam is a bridge too far for you.
1: Uh, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you are a massacre survivor in, from <laughs> Drenthe. I, I'm very curious to know uh, what that's all about.
0: Uh, yeah, I've, 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 it, it, this this relates to the story this week um, that uh, the, the, the the authorities in Drenthe have been told to stop shooting indiscriminately at Kronian Air report. Tried to, huh. um yeah because apparently they, they, they they've been culling a lot of wildlife, and uh, the, uh s- some uh, animal uh, uh, rights organizations have been complaining and uh, the, the provincial mm-hmm. authorities were ordered by the court uh, to stop culling an- to stop culling animals and they have to review their list of species that they're allowed to die and the, 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 <laughs> the um the authorities in Drenthe have uh, have said they're going to contest this so they, they say they need huh. to keep the runway clear for planes to land even though i, I don't know how many flights a day land at Ada, but it's not very many.
1: I, I imagine that <laughs> it won't be won't be that many. No, yeah. I, I remember that I once had to pick up someone from Eindhoven Airport, and that flight was coming from uh, Groningen Airport. And I thought <laughs> this is not a, yeah. not a distance you should travel by plane. But uh, yeah, that was it was uh, 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 it was, a, it, was a, it was a flight coming from one holiday destination, and it landed on both <laughs> Gron- in uh, Groningen ah. Airport and on Eindhoven. So it oh, was right. a transit. But yeah, they didn't actually, it was didn't
0: actually board the plane in uh, in in Estonia. Because no, no, no. maybe they just really hated, I don't know, Nijmegen and decided <laughs> that they, they, they couldn't bear to drive through it. So they flew at the stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nijmegen was a bridge too far for them. <laughs> Nijmegen really was a bridge too far, or Arnhem. Yeah. But yeah, I hadn't realized actually until this story that Eilde Airport, um, or Gronje Airport as it's called, is actually in Drenthe. And I can't decide oh, who should is be it? more. Yes. Because oh. the Dren- the authorities in Drenthe's whole point about the, the, the why the Dren- the authorities in Drenthe were taken to court, and I, I oh, can't decide, I, now, I can't decide yeah. who should be more offended by this. Actually, which the two provinces is being hard done by?
1: <laughs> huh. Yeah, they should just call it. Ill- uh, in 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 Rosendale you have the same same thing. You have also a, a small airfield. It's not even an airport. It's an yeah. airfield. It, nonetheless, it's called Breda International Airport, <laughs> uh, even though it's not an airport and it's not international. But that's a different story. And it's story. not in Breda. And it's not in Breda. So uh, yeah, that's uh, you have a similar story, but at least it's not a different province. So yeah, yeah that's... Uh, no, I think that... Um, I think the people uh, uh, in Ilde should be the most offended, I think. Yeah, yeah,
0: b- yeah, yeah. B- b- because people think they're in they're in Groningen. Yeah, exactly. And I always assumed that yeah. it
1: was also in Groningen. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, interesting the yeah. same thing is with uh, with uh, brussels south airport because of the name you assume that it is near brussels but it isn't it yeah. is a f- it's a 45 50 minute drive away from brussels so every time a lot of people a lot of dutch people they book a flight from brussels south assuming that it is somewhere near brussels and that it's only an hour drive away but then yeah uh, uh, a lot of people realize oh no it's not an hour it's almost two hours drive and then if people would have known that they would never have bought the the ticket probably
0: yeah that's true yeah yeah the, the, the stations in Brussels are very confusing as well because Brussels' south station in French is called, <laughs> uh, it's called Brussels Midi. Which obviously, yeah. Midi is the is the French for the deep south, down in Marseille. Yeah. So, so, but you see Midi, and you think that that must be central station, but it's not. It's south. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it's all
1: very confusing indeed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, but it, it, at least Groningen Airport is close to the city of Groningen. It's not an an hour drive away. So that's no. uh, that's a plus side for Groningen.
0: That that, that is true. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know where you'd be for an hour, an hour from Groningen. You'd be in Germany. So. <laughs>
1: It would be almost in Brussels, different. probably. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're pretty uh, halfway to Brussels. Yeah. yeah. All this talk of mislabelling brings us round <laughs> neatly round to uh, the OPF of
1: the week poll. So, uh, yeah. but what is what is that about? Very neatly, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> this week's uh, op comes from my hometown of Delft, where IKEA customers who were exempted from wearing face masks for medical reasons had to put a yellow sticker on their clothes. Uh, IKEA Delft started to hand the stickers out on May 6th, so that's one day after mm. Liberation Day. Uh, and the idea was that staff could easily see if someone wasn't wearing a face mask with legitimate reasons, and the customer could shop in peace and quiet without staff constantly telling them to wear a face mask. Uh, however, the yellow stickers reminded many people of the yellow, star of David that Jews were forced to wear in the Third Reich during the Second World War. Um, IKEA Delft stopped handing the stickers out on Tuesday following outraged comments on Twitter, such as, Are they out of their minds and who approved this? <laughs> Some even called to boycott the furniture puzzle store because, you know, that's uh, that, that's always uh, uh, something that happens. Yeah. Uh, And Ikea Delft said the stickers were only used in Delft and they also apologized. We just wanted to help our customers and never intended to offend anyone. Uh, People with a medical exemption are now told to bring their proof in writing. Hmm.
0: Yeah, but of course it's also, uh, I guess... Um, it relates to the fact that, uh, that, that some of the um, uh, anti-mask and anti-vax campaigners uh, on Twitter are fond of putting up little, uh, uh, you know, um, photoshopped yellowed stars on their profiles yeah. uh, to, to suggest that somehow being told to wear a mask is the equivalent of being deported to Auschwitz. Exactly, so yes, yeah. yeah, so, so, so that's another reason it was unfortunate.
1: It also gave reason to these kind of people to, uh, you know, make their stupid comparisons uh, uh, even more often than they did. Exactly, gave Uh, them a sense
0: of uh, misplaced legitimacy.
1: Yeah, so, indeed, and also the the particular shade of yellow that IKEA used was their particular shade of yellow. So mm. it wasn't that it was a, a random uh, uh, shade of uh, shade of yellow. It was the IKEA yellow. Yeah, but uh, nonetheless, it was um, yeah maybe not a not a very good idea. It wasn't really,
0: It wasn't the best choice, was it? Especially no. as you say on the uh, yeah in in the week of Liberation Day, they should have gone for blue. <laughs>
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, or 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 a sticker of a torch or or something, something like that. So,
0: something like that. Yeah, so that it couldn't yeah. possibly offend anybody. No. This week we update you on the latest changes to the coronavirus rules, the latest mass defection from Forum for Democracy, and some surprising Dutch culinary trends. And as the government comes under pressure <laughs> to grant asylum to Afghan interpreters, one Belgian refugee is turning heads in Zeeland <laughs> That's a nice one. <laughs> The next step in relaxing the coronavirus rules will be taken next Wednesday, May the 19th, provided hospital admissions have declined by 20%. At a press conference on Tuesday, Mark Rutte said he was confident of meeting the target, but the final decision won't be taken until Monday. The emergency break was built in after the outbreak management team said the first step in easing the lockdown had been taken too soon. The large public gatherings on King's Day and outside Ajax's stadium a week ago also caused concern. ...with the RVM identifying 17 clusters of infection on King's Day in Amsterdam alone. We got to said the 20% target wasn't a solid line, but there had to be evidence of a clear improvement for Stage 2... ...which has already been delayed by a week to go ahead.
1: Yeah, assuming that the changes are confirmed, what we'll be able to do after?
0: Well, step one, which I said, was that sex workers can resume their services, as the only contact <laughs> oh. <laughs> professionals still in lockdown. I just love the fact that, that was the first, uh, the first thing he mentioned. <laughs> was it?
1: <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll not, um, we will not, we will not look into that too. Uh, we too won't much, speculate too too much on no, that. I just thought no, it was a nice detail.
0: No. Uh, also, pavement cafes will be able to extend their opening hours, which are currently midday to six pm. They will now be open from six am until eight pm. Six in the morning. Are you going to go to a uh, so, so you can have Bitterballen for breakfast, lunch and dinner, <laughs> if you so desire. Uh, will you be well, going to, uh, out to Terrasse at six in the morning, Paul? It, it sounds like an ideal diet. It does, yeah. yeah. Uh, amusement parks and zoos will also be able to reopen, but only the outdoor spaces. So the snake houses at Artis will be shut and you can go to the Efteling, but not on the Droomflucht. And that caused absolute outrage uh, on the Twitter account of one politician. I think we can guess who it was. It was
1: uh, Geert Wilders, (laughs) who is a a huge fan of that uh, particular ride. It is his
0: favorite ride at the Efteling, isn't it? He once
1: uh, once famously uh, went on it ten times in a row. Yeah. And
0: so, uh, gyms yeah. and swimming pools can also open, but with limited numbers, and the changing rooms and gyms will stay shut. What won't change? Well, secondary <laughs> schools... Are wait, s-
1: wait, wait. The, the changing rooms Oh, in only in gyms will in shut, gyms, not yeah. in
0: swimming pools. swimming okay, pools, yeah. you, you, can you can still change into swimming trunks, because otherwise okay, you, okay. You, can't, you don't have to go into the pool fully
1: clothed. No, yeah, I was, I was assuming that that was uh, what they wanted you to do. But no, I, I misunderstood.
0: Yeah. Uh, what won't change? Well, secondary schools are still only open on a limited basis. But the government is seeking advice from the OMT to see if they can fully reopen later this month. Uh, so uh, on the days of your kids are at home, I guess the best thing to do is to take them down to the pub all day. And they can have their lessons on a pavement cafe. Or to a prostitute. That could, you could do that as well, yeah. Have, yeah. yeah, learn all kinds of things uh, in, in their <laughs> local brothel, um, and uh, and museums and uh, museums and libraries were due to stay shut, uh, which uh, came up a number of times in the parliamentary debate. In the words of Labour MP Atikauken, "Why is the Maurits House shut, but Hennis and Maurits open?"
1: Okay. It's, yeah, that was a good
0: soundbite. I thought.
1: Yeah, you think it's good? Okay. Yeah. yeah then uh, <laughs> we will give it to her then.
0: <laughs> and it's a fair point, you know, that you you can go into a shop and just like wander about and not buy anything, but for some reason you can't go into an art gallery, but there's usually fewer people. Um, somehow that's considered more dangerous.
1: Ha- it's a reasonable uh, reasonable concern indeed, but the soundbite isn't that well, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll agree to disagree. Uh, okay. But on Wednesday, Rutter announced that
0: libraries would be allowed to open on May the 19th, if the other changes go ahead. So people can now borrow books as well as buy them. Hmm, very so good. And revolution. what about... Uh,
1: yeah and what about travel can we start booking uh, campsites yet or can we uh, go to uh, to Curaçao uh, well uh, in the words of you I think you could always go to
0: Curaçao because the, the, yeah. the, cause it's the, it counts as uh, an internal border so yeah. Uh, but yeah uh, Hugo de has said you can choose your campsite but don't book it yet Um so the travel oh. because the travel rules are changing on Saturday, but they haven't. Uh, they've been keeping very tight-lipped about exactly what what the consequences are going to be. At the moment, of course, the whole world is coded orange, which means uh, don't travel <laughs> unless it's uh, strictly necessary. There is a general advice not to go abroad. But from the weekend, the official advice will, will be dropped, and countries with low infection levels uh, will be labelled yellow. Um, unless of course they have variants of concern circulating, at which point they'll be orange again. If uh, if if, uh, if the country you've been to is uh, is yellow, it means you don't have to quarantine or test when you come home. Whereas if it's an orange country, you're advised to go into quarantine. Um, and if you visited a red a country on the red list, uh, which is deemed very dangerous, then quarantine will be compulsory, and there'll be a fine if you break your quarantine. Hmm. Djongren also warned uh, that a lot of countries may not accept Dutch tourists this summer because of course we have some of the highest infection rates in Europe
1: how high are our numbers exactly
0: yeah they are basically uh, the the highest per capita apart from uh, Sweden although I think Sweden might have uh, dropped below us again now uh, and a few much smaller countries where there have been outbreaks uh, but they are coming down Um, the seven day average Hmm. number of infections has come down to six and a half thousand a day which is less than recently but obviously still a very high number Uh, There are fewer patients in hospital. This week that's gone down from 2,500 to just over 2,200. And the intensive care numbers, which were over 800 for the past, uh, most of the last month, are now heading down towards 700. And as for those crucial admission numbers, which everything hangs on, well, the average hospital admissions, uh, that stands at 214 a day, which is 24% below the peak on April the 21st. And intensive care admissions have dropped from an average of 57 to just over 41 and that's nearly 28 percent down so yeah it's looking like uh, we are going to hit these targets and uh the the the, uh, the next stage of reopening can go ahead and vaccination's really picked up this week as well which i think has made a difference uh, we'll pass yeah. the seven million mark uh, today which is friday and by the end of the week 30 percent of people should have had their first vaccine and 10 percent will be fully vaccinated So uh, although we are lagging behind most of Europe on infections and vaccines, uh, the picture is starting to look more promising.
1: Okay. The Binnenhof came back from a well-deserved May recess last week and immediately we have plenty of news coming from The Hague. To start with, informateur herman Cenk Willink reported his findings to the Tweede Kamer on Friday. Uh, the formation process to find a new coalition has lasted for two months now and until this week hasn't led to anything. Um, the process was disrupted, of course, because of leaked private notes by Verkenner Ollongren followed by the infamous Funktie Elders debate of April 1st which almost led to the political death of Prime Minister Mark Rutte uh, but he narrowly survived the motion of no confidence uh, and resurrected over uh, the Easter uh, weekend Uh, Formation veteran Herman Cenk Willink was named informateur to restore trust in The Hague, but this was made difficult by new revelations by RTL News that the Ministerial Council had withheld information about the child benefit scandal from the Tweede Kamer and CDA MP Pieter Omzigt was sensibilized. That's probably not a word, but. It's not, uh, no,
0: but then the Dutch uh, word
1: he used doesn't really exist either. Indeed, so I think I'm allowed to use non existing words here. Uh, And this was, of course, done by finance minister and now CDA leader. Wopke Hoekstra. However, despite uh, the political chaos, Gandalf the Ching. Uh, did manage uh, <laughs> I, I mean uh, uh, we just spoke about terrible sound bites, but yeah. this is probably even worse than, uh, than terrible soundbites
0: and, and and resurrections as well C- yeah, yeah, Willing yeah. Just, keep,
1: just keeps coming back every, every yeah. four years he's revived yeah um, yeah uh, Ching Willing did manage to write his report he recommended a new informateur with distance from daily politics and with a broad social economic profile uh, should be named mm. and this person was found in Maria Hamer who is chairwoman of the social economic council so yeah, the, the, the the box of uh, a social economic profile was ticked immediately with mm. this choice uh, and she uh, that's, uh, the, that council is one of the most important advisory boards of the government uh, additionally Hamer knows the Binhoff very well, she was an MP for Labour from 1998 to 2014 and she also served as the PvDS the ass faction leader for three years okay. um, So,
0: so uh, Chain Villink who was a former Labour senator has um, yeah. picked as a non-political uh, chairwoman, uh, a former Labour MP
1: yeah. yeah. It's almost as if the the the, the motorblock is sort of uh, it's, it's almost to, as if,
0: Yeah, it's almost as if the uh, the the Pathé cartel is, uh, is is alive and kicking.
1: Yeah, indeed. And uh, uh, and the motorblock is uh, desperate to to bring uh, uh, labor on board. Yeah. Um yeah, her new role is now to assess uh, which parties uh, will see eye to eye on which themes and uh, put a tentative coalition of politicians uh, to write a draft agreement and even though Labour denies it as I said uh, uh, it all seems to suggest that a coalition between the motorblock parties uh, that's VVD, CDA and D66 uh, with PVDA is the most likely outcome at this point uh, this coalition would be enough for 82 seats and that is a relatively comfortable majority in the Tweede Kamer. Uh, Hamer is due to report back on her progress by uh, June
0: 6th so after the, um, the previous cabinet fell in January over the uh, child benefit scandal the, the four parties that were most implicated are going to form the next coalition
1: yeah, exactly, because yeah. Uh, 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 all their leaders were members of a uh, Rutte cabinet, of yes. course, because we have Rutte, the prime minister of the VVD, Wopke Hoekstra of the CDA, who is now uh, finance minister, uh, Sigrid Kaag, D66, who is uh, now the um, uh, minister for international trade, and Lianne Ploumo was in previous um, uh, cabinet... Uh, uh, she so was also minister for international trade. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's all... Um, they're all implicated in this uh, in this in this uh, bad um, uh, administrative culture, which everybody desperately yeah. wants to ch- which, see which, changed.
0: Which exactly, which everyone now uh, wants to overturn. What else did tink uh, Chinkvillin conclude?
1: Yeah, uh, he wrote in his report that almost all parties want this new administrative culture Uh, following the child benefit scandal where thousands of people were wrongfully accused of fraud and were forced to pay back thousands of euros without being given the opportunity to defend themselves. uh, The parties feel the government should be more open and transparent uh, and should not withhold information from Parliament. They also want to get rid of the monastic administrative culture which seems to have typified the Rütte cabinet uh, and uh, go back to a strange separation between the Tweede Kamer and the cabinet. Uh, in the past they feel ministers too often discussed and negotiated bills and policies uh, with the coalition parties and MPs outside the parliament's chamber uh, blurring the lines between the executive and legislative branches. The main question in the past week was whether or not this uh, change could be established with Mark Rutte uh, leading a new cabinet. Uh, he was of course prime minister for the past decade uh, but Herman Cenk Willink wrote in his report that Mark Rutte cannot possibly be blamed solely on the deterioration of dualism in the hague and that's a standpoint which seems to have been accepted by at least the motor block parties uh, and smaller opposition parties too uh, and this is again opening the door to a fourth uh, rutte cabinet
0: okay but this week uh, Mark rutte went on news here of course uh, to say to outline the radical changes uh, to the um, adventures of culture that, uh, that were on his mind uh, so w- what did he say
1: Yes, he stopped calling these ideas radical, mostly because they weren't radical at all, I think. Um, he said he wants to get rid of backroom politics and restore dualism by uh, stop having the so-called coalition meetings on Monday, where the uh, basically the highest-ranking cabinet members and coalition faction leaders uh, decided everything uh, for the past four years. Um, additionally, he said he wants to uh, have a thinner, uh, less detailed coalition agreement, which, could allow, which would allow debates to be held in both the ministerial council Council and the Tweede Kamer, so basically that the decisions are made there and not in this sort of um, uh, twilight zone of the executive branch and um, uh, the legislative branch. Rutte also said that the cabinet should be more transparent and provide more openness by also disclosing documents with advice and considerations of public officials. Uh, these were previously uh, held back uh, and that way MPs and journalists can see how a policy decision came about. And uh, finally He said that the government should bring back the human scale. He proposed a new government agency where citizens uh, could knock on the door for help from an individual public official if they encounter problems with other governmental departments or agencies.
0: Yeah, that that sort of sounds like uh, they they should appoint an ombudsman.
1: Yeah, well... Do they not already have an ombudsman? We already have one. I, initially, I thought this sounds exactly like an ombudsman, but it's not really. Is it, an ombudsman is really uh, 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 the threshold to go to the ombudsman and to have him do something about it is really high because you know it's a very small department. Mm. And Rutte proposes a sort of, um, uh, you know, something with a similar task, but but uh, on a lower scale with a lower threshold to go to. So yeah. um, uh, if you do not find, uh, if you don't get your problem resolved in this new, newly to new to be established depart- department, you can always go to the ombudsman. I think the ombudsman you could see as a sort of uh, as a kind of backstop. Of yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, but but, but the current ombudsman Vania van Supfen, he's been very critical of government because he said he, he the people did go to him about the uh, Tuszla affair, the child benefit scandal, and he raised the he raised this a matter of concern in 2017, and nobody listened to him. So how yeah, do you so know that if they stu- that if they create this new agency, that'll just get ignored as well?
1: Yeah, indeed. So um, uh, I think it should all also be part of the new administrative culture to listen to the ombudsman. That would be good. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 To actually listen to the people who are checking on the government.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, yeah that's also something that uh, yeah. uh, uh, a new coalition should be uh, should be aware of. I think.
0: Yeah, and of course uh, that brings us round to the news that we cannot ignore from The Hague, uh, because once nope. again, uh, Bode's Form for Democracy Party has uh, has split like a deranged atom. <laughs> uh, like, but, uh, like, like, like a uranium with, atom yeah like a uranium atom with coronavirus
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> indeed even though we're not sure because the this particular uh, a, a uranium atom did not get himself yeah, tested it refused to be tested yeah um, yeah it is the uh, dag die je wist dat zou komen uh, I think <laughs> Uh, it was only two months ago that uh, Forum for Democracy, Thierry Boudet's party won eight seats and now it only has five seats because the number two of the party, Wibron van Haga, the anti-seat stealing seat stealer uh, announced he is setting up his own party uh, with two other FAD MPs mm. um, Remember, van Haga was initially a VVD MP uh, but he left the party in 2019 to continue as an independent member and he was expelled from the party for breaking promises to stop yeah. getting involved in a shady real estate company called Shop the Pop BV. <laughs> his departure also meant that the coalition lost its majority yeah. in the Tweede Kamer back then. Um, Baudet initially said that there was no room in his party for seed stealers, but months of kissing his ass paid off and Van Haga was finally welcomed to FAD in May 2020. Uh, so that's only a year ago. Uh, Van Haga was given the number 8 position on the FAD's candidate list for the general election. At the time, that didn't seem to be a high enough place to come back to Parliament, but Van Hager was one of the few people that decided to stay with uh, Thierry Baudet when uh, his party almost completely collapsed in November 2020 following revelations about anti-Semitism among its members, including Baudet's personal aide, who was also on the candidate list and Baudet refused to, um, uh, to let him go. Mm. Uh, Van Hagen became the number two on the list and almost won as many votes as party leader Baudet in the election, uh, which was uh, very awkward. Always an awkward position Mm. because, you know, the default vote of of a person goes to the number one of the list. And if you vote for someone else, then it is, you know... uh, It's a statement. It is a statement. It's an act of statement. And uh, for a number two to win almost as many votes as number one that's just unprecedented and um, uh, Baudet is of course a very um, a, a control freak if it comes to his party yeah. he, he once famously said uh, the party c'est moi yeah. um, so uh, that is exactly how he feels yeah. it is and his this party week of course he,
0: he had the tweet
1: that said uh, I'm the captain of this ship which, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Indeed, uh, that was about uh, this uh, Liberation Day poster that Day F- F- set up. Uh, it gained a lot of criticism because uh, it depicted the May 4 and May 5 logo, the 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 famous torch in the in the colours of the Dutch flag, saying that on May 5th the Netherlands remembers the 75 years of freedom it had had, and they were of course referring to the Corona virus restrictions. Um, the poster cost, uh, yeah, ophef as I said, and the connection of the. Coronavirus and rules to world war ii by the party was the final straw for van Haga. he said in a statement and now the tweede kamer has a record number of 18 parties so, yeah, yeah, including already, sort of, uh, yeah including sort of four nationalist right-wing
0: populist factions
1: yeah indeed, so all those, people already, who complain,
0: all those people who complain they got no representation now have a choice of four parties arguably five if you count the boeren uh, Beweging.
1: Yeah, yeah 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 so um yeah it's um uh, it was already a, a, a very crowded in the Tweede Kamer, but it will only get more crowded. So yeah. Yeah, and
0: uh, yeah, but it's, 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 it's uh, amazing to see that this poster was the last straw for Van Hager, because there were so many straws. He must have had a mouthful yeah. of straws by the time you exactly.
1: got to this poster. Um, I, guess it, it, I can excuse conspiracy theories. I can excuse uh, uh, racism, anti-Semitism, uh, yeah. and whatnot, but I draw the line at mentioning the war. Yeah. It's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and of course he he um, uh, the, the writing was kind of on the wall, wasn't it? Because Van Haarhage said in a parliamentary debate that uh, that the post was wrong and he wouldn't have done it that way. Of yeah. the, the, that was what prompted the tweet from Bade saying, uh, "I'm the captain of this ship." At which point you realize that the the ship was had split in half and was sinking beneath the waves.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we and I have to admit that I always uh, I had uh, I had several bets running about <laughs> when Baudet, uh and when Van Haga would uh, would would split from uh, from Forum for Democracy, and I uh, I just won uh, six bitterballs, so I'm very happy.
0: Excellent. Well, you can and you can yeah. enjoy those at six in the morning now. So I, yeah, an extra at bonus any time of the day. Yeah. yeah. Staff shortages in the healthcare sector could be eased if the government did more to recruit qualified refugees. That was the conclusion of a report by the Advisory Committee on Immigration, ACFZ, this week. The Netherlands currently needs to find around 56,000 healthcare workers to close the gap, and that figure could rise to 130,000 in the next 10 years. Some 173 doctors and 23 nurses offered their services at the start of the coronavirus pandemic via the Association for Foreign Certified Doctors, and the Seewa Refugee Settlement Agency identified another 37 asylum seekers who had sufficient language skills and clinical skills to qualify for a job, but in the end, just three of them found work as
1: volunteers. So why exactly is it so difficult for refugees to take these jobs?
0: Yeah, really, uh, it comes down to the two eternal um, bugbears of bureaucracy and prejudice. Hmm. Refugees aren't allowed to work while they're claiming asylum, and the process often takes years. And if they do clear that hurdle, they then face four years of retraining under European rules for health professionals. Hmm. And once they get there, they don't receive much guidance from their colleagues and often experience discrimination from other staff and patients. So the commission said local authorities and educational institutions and the care sector should work together to support asylum seekers who want to work in healthcare. for example, by vetting qualifications f- faster and hiring interpreters. And another group of refugees have been
1: in the spotlight this week.
0: Yeah, this is the uh, Afghan interpreters uh, who've uh, been working with uh, the military during the intervention of the last uh, couple of decades. The uh, FFD in zester, they're unhappy with uh, the status of these refugees. Uh, around 60 interpreters and their families have sought asylum in the Netherlands, but the parties say it's taking too long to process their claims. And they're also concerned about their colleagues who are still in Afghanistan, because now the troops are leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. The concern is that obviously these interpreters who are left behind and uh, are known to have worked as interpreters with uh, the, the NATO coalition, um, that they could be targeted by the Taliban. Foreign Affairs Minister Steph Block said the government was aware of the situation but it's often difficult to check the interpreter's credentials. Um, yeah, what struck me about this is that we've, the Day and Desen obviously have very different perspectives on uh, asylum yeah. and migration, but they've ended up arguing on the same side here. But from kind of different points of view, I think the Day obviously, they're the party of law and order and the military, so they think these these refugees should be rewarded for the fact they've helped, uh, you know, they, they served with the Dutch military. Desen yeah. on the other hand, of course, uh, they, they just want uh, the asylum system to be more open and to, for more refugees to be uh, to, to, to be allowed uh, to, to settle in the country if they have genuine, you know generally fearing persecution so they've ended up both uh, arguing the case for these interpreters and of course states were criticizing this uh, very um, rigid tight asylum system which has been yeah you know, which has been made more uh, more difficult and more obstructive during 10 years of feyfe Fe led cabinets
1: yeah perhaps they should join a coalition and they can they yeah. can do something about it
0: maybe maybe they would yeah. who knows yeah.
1: If you rely on us to interpret
0: the ins and outs of the Dutch political system, or just appreciate our weekly summaries of the latest news, I thought you'd enjoy that link, Yeah. <laughs> why not become a Patreon sponsor? All our patrons get a free shout out by way of thanks, and the chance to ask us a question, and of course your donations help us to help you keep up with events such as the coronavirus rules and which new parties have appeared in the Trader of this week. This week we welcome new patron Lucy Partridge, so thank you very much uh, to you Lucy. Thank you. Uh, Lucy tells us that uh, she and her partner have uh, both been long-time listeners, and uh, and and yet they've stayed together. So well done. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, 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 She listens to the podcast on her Friday afternoon uh, drive home from work. Uh, They originally, uh, she and her partner uh, Ian Graham, uh, both uh, live in Amsterdam. And she asked us specifically to uh, to mention him, so she'd win some solid brownie points. Uh, okay, hmm. so happy to help there with you, Lucy. Uh, she, Lucy has a question for us. She says there are some rightfully amazing objects of Dutch pride: water engineering, seafaring, bitterballen, innovation, and the flower industry. But why Albert Heijn? Can you explain why it is such a celebrated and frequented institution when it is rubbish? Hmm. She says small aisles, shelf stackers always in the way, rude staff, lack of product variety, and always the same smell. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder what
0: that's about. I know. Yeah, I'll I think when I'm in Albert Heijn, I have to say, I don't, don't generally, it's it's not my preferred choice of supermarket, but that's generally, that's more of a geographic concern. Uh, the other big yeah. supermarket chain is closer to my house. Which um.
1: I repulse. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't like the jumbo at all. No. Uh yeah. but it's my preferred supermarket. But yeah, Albert yeah. Heijn, I do kind of think it is overrated. You know, it's uh, I mm. don't know why people to treat it as kind of a religion. They insist on going to Albert Heijn when all I mean, all, <laughs> all that happens is you just pay twice as much for your
1: bananas. What's that about? Uh, <laughs> is that the case? I, yeah. I, I pay uh, one twenty nine for. What is it? Six bananas or something? I don't know.
0: See, it's um, it's come down because Albertheim was always like one ninety nine a kilo, and Jumbo was was ninety nine cents. I think Jumbo has yeah okay, price
1: but, but but Jumbo <laughs> Jumbo made didn't make a profit with this ninety nine. Uh, I don't uh, care. Uh, uh, it, 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 no the bananas are That's, cheap. Right, that's, that's all right. that matters to me as a customer. <laughs> <laughs> if you only buy bananas, then this is indeed a, a very good choice <laughs> to go to Jumbo. No, I think uh, 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 I think she's just going to the wrong albert heijn okay because i always go to the albert heijn xl here in Delft, <laughs> and it is huge and it is wide and it is spacious and a lot of room a lot of space a lot of choice as well hmm. uh, but yeah if you uh, i assume uh, she she lived in amsterdam She's right in amsterdam, yeah so i, yeah, I assume it is just one of these uh, uh supermarkets that is j- that are just squeezed into 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 a very narrow spot yeah. Uh, you have several of them in the city center of Delft as well and that's always cr- crowded and, and small and uh, 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 annoying to 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 shop if you want to you know just uh, especially on a the, on the Saturday morning for example yeah. when it's just the busiest when it's rush hour in, yeah it's really just out. a
0: glorified corner shop isn't it be right the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the large scale behind there's the, one that got renovated last year near me is, is enormous and fabulous and it's got yeah a huge choice and yeah, yeah and I don't quite know what the what, what the problem is with the smell in Amsterdam maybe that's just
1: it's
0: an amsterdam thing but i just yeah, exactly. smell fresh bread when i'm in the, when i'm behind. yeah smell i'm
1: currently thing. not smelling anything in, in, in not, any no. place but uh, yeah that's uh, that's that's a different story um so yeah i i would uh, suggest uh, that she would she she, is, she has a car right doesn't she, she she's because she's i think we're well, talking about driving home from work so i would think yeah so. exactly yeah. just just um uh Press a Albertine Excel in, in your Google Maps app and drive there and just uh, <laughs> uh, 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 experience the joy of shopping in an Albertine Excel uh, shop. So yeah, yeah, I would recommend that.
0: Yeah, but I, I, I'm I'm still not convinced it's worth the extra the the, the, the extra cost. I, I, I don't I don't get this is <clears throat> this is the country that prides itself on people being very rational and unemotional in their choices. But then when you ask people why they shop at one supermarket rather the other, they say I don't like the yellow signs. I yeah, think okay yeah, so your to yellow signs means it. you pay for an extra 30% for your groceries I don't get it anyways <laughs> <laughs> yeah Uh, And also, we had a question from uh, last week's patron, Adam Novek, who tells us, uh, gave us a bit more information about himself as well. He also lives in Amsterdam. He moved to Vancouver as a student in 2011. Uh, He's worked for the last few years as an editor for Expatica. And he wants to know, what will happen first? A coalition forming in the Trader Karma, or Max (laughs) Verstappen leading the Formula One driver standings? Which is an intriguing question. And he also says, which event would generate the most memorable sign language interpretation from Irma?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. Um, to start with the uh, Max Verstappen question, um, uh, 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 a coalition forming a coalition usually doesn't take as long as a Formula One season. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think we will get a coalition before Max Verstappen will lead a Formula One uh, uh, the Formula One list. I I I think he's currently number two right now. If yeah, i remember mean correct. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, he's number two. Number I mean, eight, the the yeah. season is uh, it's it's quite early in the season, of course. But every er, at the start of every season, everyone is is always. Uh, all the commentators are saying, well, this is probably going to be the year of Max Verstappen. But yeah. as long as Lewis Hamilton is still driving around, that will probably not happen. That's not going to happen. No. yeah, no. He,
0: he, he might manage to win the first one or two races of the season and uh, get to the top of the standings that way. But he missed it this year. So that's probably yeah. it for this, this season. So we're more likely to have a coalition, I think. And uh, yeah, in terms of Irma, I have to say, I mean, I almost want um van grager's new party to be involved in negotiations just so i can see how irma signs shop at pop
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good one yeah i would love to see her uh, 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 do shop pop yeah. yeah i'm not sure if there's uh, uh, uh you know because not all words exist in sign language exactly no sometimes it? you have to
0: literally spell it out don't you yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. i would love to see that yeah yeah, yeah.
0: If you'd like to extend a gesture of support to us and join our band of patrons, log on to www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Dutch News NL.
1: The Dutch consumed the most meat replacement products per person in Europe, shop data collected by market research bureau Nielsen over the last three years shows. The investigation carried out on behalf of plant-based diet group ProVac in 11 European countries also found the Dutch spent the most money on meat replacement products. Uh, the result surprised us, although we knew that the Netherlands was among the greatest consumers of meat replacement products in Europe, but we did not know that they eat the most per person, ProVac co-founder Pablo Molleman told broadcaster NOS. In total, the sale of plant-based meat and dairy products rose 50% in the Netherlands over the past two years to 291 million euros. Plant-based cheese sales rose by 400% during the period, although the market remains tiny. The data showed that the Dutch spent an average of 17 euros per person per year and consumed some 870 grams of plant-based meat, equaling about 9 burgers, which coincidentally are the most popular plant-based products, followed by stir fry products and meatballs. The market for meat replacement products is also heating up. In April Brazilian meat giant JBS uh, JBS said it's taking over Dutch meat replacement company Vivera for 341 million euros. In 2018 Unilever bought uh, Dutch meat replacement maker the Vegetarische Slager for an estimated 30 million. Uh, US fake meat maker Beyond Meat opened a production plant in the Netherlands in 2019. And also Britain's meatless farm last year also opened a uh, Dutch operation. Nevertheless, meat replacement products still only have 2.5% of the market for meat and meat replacement protein in the Netherlands. And some um, 17% of the Dutch say they are vegetarian or vegan. Do you uh, sometimes eat these products, Gordon? Or uh, I do, do yeah. I, like I, I, I eat,
0: eat um, uh, vegetarian uh, schnitzels, which is like imitation chicken. Um, and they're very nice, I have to say. They're not bad at all. This is a really simple, but obviously I, I've, um, uh, I sleep with my children, so uh, I, I, I look for meals that are very uh, quick and simple to prepare, rather than uh, yeah. uh, especially uh, and, and nutritious, um, yeah. uh, rather than uh, you know, elaborate culinary concoctions. And I've said, yeah, uh, the chicken schnitzels are, are pretty good. Yeah, but were you surprised uh, that uh, uh, yeah, the, the Netherlands is such a big uh, consumer of uh, meat replacement products?
1: Uh, no, not really because. Because in my Albert Heijn Excel you have this huge uh <laughs> you have this huge uh meat replacement department so uh, yeah it's always uh, uh you have a lot of choice there so it is definitely growing in the past years and uh yeah it's a little bit hard to compare with other with the 11 European countries but uh no it doesn't really surprise me I think also because uh, a lot of the for example the vegetarische slager is one of these uh, uh, innovative uh, uh, companies on, on uh, in this field and uh, yeah they are pretty big in the Netherlands so yeah no it doesn't really surprise me um yeah, I've said I have that to admit. That
0: there is a lot more choice now when you go into the supermarket than there was a couple of yeah, years definitely. ago. Yeah, definitely. That may well be. That, that, That's certainly what encouraged me to try it, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, I wonder as well if it's just if, if it just doesn't just come down to the fact that uh, Dutch cuisine is so bland and tasteless anyway that it doesn't really matter what you eating.
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can just eat something no made of soil and it just yeah. tastes the same. Yeah, yeah, probably. yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, also, you highlighted this news that um, the uh, the infamous Ficadel has turned out to be uh, the the most sustainable form of takeaway.
1: Yeah, and I have to admit, I only read the headline <laughs> uh, on a, a website called snacknews.nl. Uh, the it's my fattest, new favorite website. The, the website with the fattest news, it says. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, a, a Belgian uh, carbon footprint um, expert uh, said that probably a frikandel might be the most sustainable snack uh, available because it's uh, it's it's basically made of leftovers and mm. instead of throwing these away, which you would no- normally do, uh, they make a frikandel out of it. So right. uh, based on that, it is um, if you if you look at that way, then it is a sustainable snack and mm. uh, one of the most sustainables there is apparently. Mm. So surely that would mean that haggis
0: is the most sustainable food in existence because <laughs> because that's made out of all the parts <laughs> that you would otherwise throw away. Exactly, uh, yeah. no. I don't same think person it would eat
1: uh, in any other context. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that uh, uh, easily available in the Netherlands. I That's think. true. Not in the Netherlands. Yeah. No.
0: Well, no. We, we, I think we need to start importing it. We, we need to campaign for or, or, or start to
1: produce our own our own haggis. Would would uh, the people of Scotland um, uh, be willing uh, to allow a vegetarian haggis? Oh, there uh, is a vegetarian market? haggis, and it's lovely. Really? Yeah. No vegetarian haggis. Oh, I you ate it for recommend. Christmas, didn't I've, you? I've had
0: vegetarian haggis. Yes, I was sent one. Yeah. Because yes, uh, because of Brexit, it was much harder to. You can't really send meat products over the border anymore unless you've got a license. <laughs> but vegetarian haggis, um, can, yeah, can still be sent. So. Ah,
1: uh, that's what You, you had a having. lovely Christmas Brexit and haggis. It was nice. Yeah. Hmm. It's very nice. I thoroughly recommend it. Okay. I w- for some reason, I would thought that uh, I would think that uh, 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 Scottish uh, people would be much more conservative <laughs> on, on, on this field. But uh, no, I, uh, well, some are, but not not everybody.
0: Not everybody. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm not ready for any kind of haggis. Not, not a real haggis. Not a frozen no, haggis. N- no.
0: no. I, uh, I have to say, I can't really uh, criticize you there. <laughs> <laughs> but but haggis is delicious. If uh, it's an acquired taste. After securing its 35th Eredivisie title last week, Ajax said it wanted to share its success with the fans who've had to stay at home on match days. So they melted down the tin trophy and turned it into 42,000 tiny tin stars. Every season ticket holder will receive one of the tokens as a tangible memento of the season, Chief Executive Edwin van der Sar said. He explained... We've had to play without our fans being present for much of the season, but our players felt their support all the same.
1: That's a uh, surprising uh, large amount of uh, stars they could get. out I was going to say, I mean, th- yeah. there's
0: there's a bit of a Berlin Wall feel to this, right? That surely you yeah. can't get forty-two thousand <laughs> stars from one trophy.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, just like every 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 piece of random concrete in Berlin that you find, <laughs> exactly. uh, people will claim that it's part yeah. of the Berlin exactly. Wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a nice gesture from Ajax, uh, but not such a generous atmosphere in Doetinchem, though. No, uh, riot police had to be called in to break up disgruntled De Grauschef
0: fans after their team narrowly missed out on promotion this week. Isn't c- that just their natural state of being? I think uh, if you were a d- De Grauschef, De Grauschef, De Grauschef fan, yeah, you would be quite frequently disgruntled. Yeah. Uh, the club needed to beat Helmont Sport to secure second place in the Divisie. Just some great names in this piece as well, so say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, but at the end of a bad-tempered match that was suspended at one point by heavy rain and didn't finish until 11 o'clock, the final score was nil-nil, And that meant de Grafskart finished third behind Cambuur-Lehwarden and Go-Ahead Eagles, which have the best name of any team in their professional yeah. Dutch football. Uh, and uh, de Graafschap will now go into the end-of-season playoffs. About around 400 fans are gathered outside the stadium, hoping, of course, to to, to celebrate uh, their team's promotion, uh, despite the local mayor pleading to them to stay away. And uh, when uh, the result didn't go their way, a riot broke out, which lasted until past midnight. Seven people were arrested. Two police officers suffered minor injuries as angry supporters threw stones, bottles, and fireworks.
1: Yeah, all because of the uh, Graafschap. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And police said they were studying CCTV footage from the area and they have not ruled out further arrests. I think there was a lot of uh, d- uh, anger about the fact that Helmond Sport, um, who had nothing to play for at the end of the season at all, turned up and just used uh, sort of delaying very defensive tactics um, and basically played for the nil-nil mm. purely just to spite the cup And uh, that uh, caused okay. a bit of bad feeling, I think.
1: Okay. Uh, and uh, so uh, moving away from the uh, Keuken Kampioen division. Yeah, getting out uh, of the kitchen. Getting out of the question, how is the Eredivisie doing?
0: Yeah, the Eredivisie is heating up, um, and uh, Ajax have wrapped up the championship, but there are a lot of other issues that needed to be settled, uh, and many of them were in the ultimate round of matches on Thursday. Feyenoord Fenlo were relegated after they lost to the champions in Amsterdam, uh, although at least it wasn't a 13-0 drubbing, which was the scored last time the two teams met. Added and Haag, they are also relegated after they lost to Willem Tvei, and Willem Tvei will now fight it out with Emmen on Sunday to decide who has to go into the end-of-season playoffs with six teams from the Kölken Kampion Divisie. Willem Tvei Willem Tve play Fortuna Willem Tvei? Willem pate. yeah, that would be better. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a vegetarian dish? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Willem Tvei play Fortuna Citad, while Emmen travel to the aforementioned and newly relegated Fe. PSV Eindhoven, meanwhile, are all but certain of finishing second after their 4-2 win over PEC Zwolle, so they'll go into the Champions League playoff rounds. at Alkmaar and Fuchesa Arnhem will play in the UEFA Conference League, which is a new competition um, that we really didn't need, um, and <laughs> <No>. a- almost <laughs> bewildering as bewildering uh, as, as the UEFA Nations League, but not quite. Okay. Yeah. Um, they guarantee, they've guaranteed now third and fourth place, uh, and that was a disappointment for the team that finishes fifth, which was Feyenoord. Um, they will now go into the playoff for the final Conference League spot, along with Utrecht, Groningen, and one other. And that means, of course, Dick Advocaat's retirement has been put off again because he's now got hmm. to steer his team through the playoffs.
1: Poor guy, poor yeah. guy. So he, did, will he ever retire? Will he ever what retire? will happen first? Will Max Verstappen lead the uh, uh, lead the Formula One uh, World Championship? Will we get a cabinet, or will uh, Dick Advocaat retire?
0: Yeah, will. Dick Advocaat leave uh, leave final before the next split up of uh, Form for Democracy. Hmm.
1: No, uh, Dick Advocaat will. Well, he might leave Feyenoord, but he will never retire. No. A pair of peregrine falcons, which have made their home in the bell tower of the Rijksmuseum, have produced two chicks. Birdwatchers told the museum the falcons were behaving differently. They started to fly to and fro with bits of meat, indicating that their eggs had hatched. A subsequent visit to the nest by building manager Igor Santagens earlier this week revealed that they had indeed uh, two healthy chicks of about two weeks old in the nest. The Rijksmuseum pair, the first falcons to choose the city centre as their home, were discovered by bird watchers in March last year. Uh, there are some six pairs in all in the capital, including at the Zuidas, Zuidoost, the port area, and Steiger Island. The museum almost chased the pair away when it decided to install nesting boxes. Uh, They were building a nest on top of the tower, and that is not a good spot. Uh, according to the minister spokesman i think the birds are an expert on whether or not uh, i think they they would know better yeah they would know better i feel but okay the birds then upped sticks and tried the rest church tower but returned to the Rijksmuseum a month before the breeding season started deciding to move into one of the boxes after all the museum said it will install webcams after the breeding season and they are hopeful next year's chicks will be enjoyed by the public because once the birds find a good location they will stay
0: yeah so there the Reichsmuseum is
1: closed to visitors, but uh, open to yeah. falcons. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you have wings, uh, then you can uh, then you can visit the uh, the Reichsmuseum. Yeah. Um, and those are not the only if birds. If they don't scare you away, by the way. What? If they don't scare you away. If they don't scare you away, yeah, because
0: they're quite fr- Yeah, there's also, don't, uh, there's, also don't, there's also no buzzards nest in the Rijksmuseum, because uh, <laughs> that, that will cause carnage. Yeah. Yeah. As we know, uh, but they're not the
1: only birds that have been in the news this week. Now, an eagle owl which had been spotted in the Zeeland town of Hulst may have escaped from a private home in Sint-Niklaas in Belgium. The owl, which was uh, seen perched on a school gate, defied attempts by local animal ambulance staff to catch it and retreated to an impregnable position on a nearby roof. Uh, the public has been asked to leave the bird in peace and try not to catch it themselves. Uh, if and when the bird is spotted again, the ambulance staff make another attempt to catch it. A spokesperson of the animal ambulance warned that taking selfies with the owl is not a good idea. Uh, It is a wild animal with sharp claws. Just respect it and enjoy looking at it, he said. Tommy Bayard from Sydney Class told broadcaster Omroep Zeeland he thinks the owl is his. Uh, It escaped a couple of weeks ago and we have tried everything to catch it. Food, netting, but nothing worked. Bayard said birds that live with people are not normally shy, but that the owl is young and untrained. Instead of the owl posing a danger to people, like certain not to be named birds in Drenthe, um, <laughs> he fears that uh, it is it, it may be the other way around. Uh, he is absolutely not dangerous. All he wants is a cuddle, Bayard said. But yeah, the coronavirus uh, restrictions still not allow that. So yeah, yeah.
0: that's unfortunate. Yeah, no, he, he can't even hug owls. Yet. And then, is the owl supposed to go into ten, quarantine for 10 days uh, after crossing yeah, should the border? Be right. As well, yeah. If yes, it stays
1: longer than two days,
0: yeah. If it had waited till the weekend, I mean, it might have been allowed to travel, but uh, strictly yeah. speaking, it should now be fined for, yes, for, for not yes. quarantine.
1: Yes, he should, have, uh, he, he, he should have. He uh, should uh, have followed Dutch news uh, yeah. uh, for the live blog. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, obviously wasn't wasn't
0: paying attention and d- didn't drink enough gin. Uh, <laughs> time. So, exactly. uh, yeah, so yeah very different interpretations then uh, from the Dutch and the Belgian side of the border So one saying this owl's very dangerous and you should just stay away and the other one saying no he's lovely and sweet really and he just wants a cuddle so, yeah, uh, yeah, a, a yeah. very misunderstood uh, refugee owl <laughs> <laughs> poor bird, the yeah. poor bird that's all we have for you this week this podcast is a production of Dutch News which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes and you can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and uh, leave us a rating as well and you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com dutchnews.nl and you'll earn yourself a free shout out on the next podcast. My thanks to Paul Peters, I'm Gordon Derrick, and we'll be back next week.
1: I'm gonna have my COVID moment now. I think, yeah, have,
0: have <coughs> give me coffee time. COVID for me,
1: coffee for you. No, other <laughs> way around. COVID for you, coffee for me. <laughs> yeah, other way co- co- yeah. I would prefer it that way. Yeah. Yeah. If you could, you
0: yeah, if you combined it, you'd get the coffee Maybe that's what it means.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I think you you hit a conspir- new conspiracy <laughs> theory here. Exactly. Yeah.
0: COVID plus coffee.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, uh, it's 8.33.